Happy Sunday, and welcome to the As You Are podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Emily. A little update on the As You Are front. We just wrapped up our final worship night for this semester, UGA. It was great to see you guys on Wednesday. Anna gave such a relatable talk that we want you guys to have here on the podcast. It's on pain, shame, faith, kind of a little bit of everything. So settle in. Y'all, it is so good to be here. Oh my gosh. One, this venue is amazing. We love it. Um, has it. Did anybody get donuts, chocolate milk? I was truly surprised by how many people like really went for the chocolate milk. There's more out there too. I reset it all. There's more chocolate milk, more LaCroix, more donuts, and more merch. So at the end of the night, it's like we can have a whole other party again. Um, anyways, my name's Anna, and I am just so excited to be here with y'all tonight. Kind of just to tell you a little bit about myself so you're not like... Who's this random girl up there? Um, Like I said, my name is Anna. I actually graduated from college in 2017. So I'm a little bit older than y'all, but not like too much older, okay? Um, I don't have any kids yet. Uh, I do have a puppy. As of last week, uh, my husband and I got a puppy kind of spur of the moment. Some days we're like, what were we thinking? This is madness. And some days we love him. Uh, He's actually in Athens, not my husband, the puppy, is in Athens um, with us or with me this week, which is very fun. But I am originally from Virginia, moved to Atlanta after college, and was working at Passion City Church. How many people in here are from Atlanta? Anybody from Atlanta? Yeah, I feel like normally there's a lot of Atlanta, Atlanta girls in here. Um, So I was working at a church called Passion, and through Passion, I met my husband, Everett, and he, this is all one big circle, he went to UGA, so that's how we eventually ended up in Athens uh, when we got married, moved here, and we're living here for a few years, and then sadly, this past spring, I moved away, Um, we moved back to Richmond, Virginia, to be closer to my family, so it feels so good to be back in Athens, like, it just feels like coming home. And I'm excited for the message that I feel like the Lord has placed on my heart for y'all. So, how many, who in here is a senior? Any seniors? Okay, we got seniors. Oh, okay. Seniors in the back. I see it. I love it. On the couches, I would just probably do the same thing. Um, well, congratulations. You've already made it, like, really far through college. You're almost to your second semester senior year. It's a big deal. And I remember going into my second semester senior year feeling like, this is going to be the best, this is going to be the best semester yet. Like, I know what I'm doing post-grad. I don't have to, like, stress as much about school. You should still work hard. But there's, like, less pressure. You feel like it's going to be super fun. So I had high, high, high expectations going into second semester senior year. One weekend to my second semester, things started to not, they started to go downhill quick. Uh, one weekend, my longtime boyfriend broke up with me, and I was like, what the heck, what's going on? And then I started to get really, really sick. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. I was like a pretty sick kid, like, truth be told. I don't know if my mom just let me stay home a lot, but I do remember being home a lot from being sick, and I had strep throat a lot. So very early on, second semester, senior year, I start to feel like, just feel really like, gross. And I was like, I think that this is strep throat. I also, this is still a trait about me. I hate going to the doctor. Like, I'm really bad about it. You guys should not do what I do. You should go to the doctor. 
it's important, but I like put it off for a while and finally was like, okay, I'll go to the health center, the like university health center, and they're going to like tell me I have strep throat, they'll give me something for it, I'll get treated, it'll be fine. So I go to the health center, I'm like, I think I have strep throat. They're like, well, we haven't seen any cases of strep throat, so we're not going to test you for it, you probably don't have it, here's some anti-nausea medicine, just sleep it off. And in my mind, I was like, I don't think that's right. Like, I think that you should probably give me something for this, but okay. So I go, whatever, sick for probably like two weeks, end up feeling better. But then, like three weeks, again, back on track to second semester senior year is going to be the best semester yet. About three weeks after I'm over this weird sickness, I literally, like, start to get these red bumps on my arms and on my torso. And in my mind, I was like, is this like hives? Like, am I so sad about the breakup that I just went through? Like, what is going on? And eventually, again, I don't go to the doctor quick enough. I get to the doctor because they're just like, like, it's just weird. Bumps on my arms, bumps on my torso. And the doctor looks at me and goes, hmm. Hey, have you had strep recently? And I was like, yeah, I have, but I got anti-nausea medicine for it. It wasn't very helpful. She was like, oh, okay, so, so you had strep that was untreated? I was like, yeah, I, n I never got treated for it. She goes, okay. Mm -hmm. so, so this is the beginning of scarlet fever. Um, luckily, you, we live in the 21st century, so I can, like, give you medication for it. You'll be fine. But strep, when left untreated, <laughs> turns into scarlet fever. So if we were lived in the 18th century, like these dots would be like the kiss of death for you. It would kind of be like, all right, you're going to die. But luckily, I'm standing here today. I didn't die. Y'all, it gets worse, okay? So I take medication for the scarlet fever, literally. Like, how many of you know somebody that has ever had scarlet fever? Probably none of you, unless you've read a history book. Um, then, about three weeks, it's all like in three-week increments, too, you know, which is the worst, because then you start to feel like it's getting better. Things are looking up. No. Um, I start to have these weird, like, pain on my head, like specifically on the left side of my head. And there was these like bumps. It was very strange. I was like, what the heck is going on with my body? Like my body is attacking itself. This is supposed to be the best semester yet. And I'm sick through the whole thing and heartbroken. And I worked at a coffee shop in college. It was so much fun. I worked with one of my best friends. And I distinctly remember being there and being like, hey, I need you to look at my head because something is wrong. And it hurts. Like, I, like, had crazy eye pain, like, didn't know what was going on. And she looks and she's like, ugh, like, it kind of looks, this is gross. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys are learning a lot about me. Uh, she's like, it kind of looks like you have nasty little pimples on your head. I was like, ew, that's disgusting. Like, why do they hurt so bad? So the pain gets like worse, 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 worse. So bad that I'm laying on the couch in my college house. I can't like open my eyes because it hurts so bad. So my mom comes, picks me up, takes me back home. I go to a doctor. My mom is like, I think I know what this is, which I'm not going to tell you guys yet. Because my mom ends up being right. Moms are always right, guys. Okay, moms are always right. Go to the doctor. 
my mom tells the doctor what she thinks it is, and the doctor's like, no way. The average age for somebody to get that is 65 years old. There's no way your 22-year-old daughter has said thing. So then a couple more days go by. I'm in serious pain, like laying in bed, can't get out of bed. Finally, my mom's like, we're taking you to the emergency room. So they take me to the emergency room, and the doctor's like, when did your symptoms start? Was it over a week ago? I was like, yeah, it was like a week and a half ago at this point. He's like, okay, you have shingles. Shingles normally shows up in people 65 years or older, but because your immune system was shot, because of strep throat that the health center never treated, like your body had shingles. And if it's not treated within the first week, of you getting it, you just have to ride it out. So literally, like, they gave me pain medication and, like, sent me on my way and wished me well. And I had to stay in bed for another two weeks at my parents' house. I don't really remember much. There's a picture of, like, my bedside. Like, I'm in my bed, and there's a bedside table, and there's, like, big pain pills lined up next to it that I could take, like, every few hours. And that's, like, all I remember. And then I came back to school for two weeks and graduated. Like, that was my second semester senior year, okay? So no matter what you have going on next semester, I bet it'll be better than that. Um, and I tell you that story because, honestly, it's kind of absurd. Like, how does that happen to somebody? Scarlet fever and shingles all in, like, a two-month period. But also because there's a story in the Bible that I'm so excited to read with y'all tonight because there's another woman who had been suffering for much longer than just her second semester of senior year. She'd been suffering for 12 years. And it says that she also went to a bunch of different doctors, and nobody knew what was going on. Nobody could heal her. And it wasn't until she had an encounter with Jesus that she was truly healed. I love talking about stories in the Bible where Jesus interacts with women. Like, I just love it. I think especially talking to y'all, like, we're all girls in here, except for Michael. Uh, we love you, Michael. Um, but I think there's something special about it, and it feels easier to relate to the person in the story. And so I want y'all to lean in and listen to this story and try and put yourself in this woman's shoes as I'm reading it. And then I'm going to, normally I'll like, I would stop and kind of break it up, but I'm going to read the whole thing through, and then we're going to go back and kind of dissect it a little bit. So it's in Mark 5, and Mark 5 is an like amazing chapter of the Bible. I have had so much fun reading it and like preparing for this talk and realizing all these crazy things, like, oh my gosh, all the different ways it ties together. We're not going to read the whole chapter because we don't have time for that, but if you ever have time, you should go read it because it's a really really powerful chapter of the Bible. But just to kind of set the scene, so we have Jesus, and we have his 12 disciples, and they have just arrived to the country of the Gerasians. I did have to look up how to say that. Um, that's how you say it, country of the Gerasians. And they get out of the boat. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. Um, and they get out of the boat, and they're met by this huge crowd of people. So, like, this is a big crowd, but imagine bigger. Like, imagine you're walking into Stanford Stadium, okay? Probably not that many people, but, like, a lot of people all around. And there, Jesus is approached by this man named Jairus, and he is a really important man in the town. And his daughter is really, really sick. 
like probably about to die. And so Jairus walks up to him and he's like, will you please come heal my daughter? And so even from those first interactions, we know like people already kind of know about Jesus. They've heard about him. They believe that he can heal them. So the word has spread, at least in this particular town. And so Jesus is on his way to go heal this little girl when an interruption happens. And that's where we're picking up the story. So that kind of sets the scene. Do you guys feel like you can kind of picture it all? You got it? You ready for what's coming next? Okay. So I'm going to open my Bible. We're going to try and do a little two-handed thing here. So it says, Jesus went with Jairus, and a great crowd followed him. And they crowded all around him. And there was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered much under many doctors and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Okay, so it was like a lot of scripture just for a short thing. But one thing I like to do when I'm reading the Bible, and this is kind of like a little, y'all can take this home with you too and do it. I kind of like to ask myself, okay, who, what, where, and why? So we're going to start with the who. The who. So who's in this story? We have Jesus. We have his disciples. We have this important man from the town and a big crowd. And then we also have this woman. We know that Jesus is on his way to somebody else's house when the woman interrupts him. We don't totally know. Well, we know why she interrupted. We know that she had been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years of bleeding. And I'm just going to put this out here. She's on her period. 12 years, okay? Sometimes people feel like that's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but that's the reality of what's going on. And in those days, if somebody was experiencing that kind of, like, if a woman was on their period, they were considered unclean. And what unclean meant was that she was not allowed to be around anybody else. Because if she touched somebody, even if she brushed up against somebody, they would be also considered unclean. So she was an outcast for 12 years. We don't know her name. We don't know how old she was. We have no idea what, how much of her life this has like taken over. She might have had a family before this happened. She definitely had parents. But because of this bleeding, she had been cast to the outside. When somebody was unclean, they were literally considered defiled. Not worth it. They had to walk through the town ringing a bell saying, unclean, 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 so that nobody would touch them. Can you guys imagine that? Can you imagine not only the physical pain, but the emotional pain, the social pain. 
She was completely on the outside. And I know not all of, like, I can probably say confidently that none of us have suffered from bleeding for 12 years. But I also can say confidently that there are pieces of each one of us that feel a little unclean. The fact that it's that she was bleeding for 12 years, it's intimate. It's like almost awkward. And I think that there are things like that in our own lives that feel intimate that we don't want anybody to know about. Because if somebody knew, what would they think of us? I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it's a really unhealthy relationship with a boyfriend. Maybe it's anxiety or depression. I know when I was in college, my two things really were an unhealthy relationship with a boyfriend and also deep anxiety that made me feel like I was crazy. I remember thinking, nobody probably wants to be around me because this is so overwhelming and I'm crazy. And I think those parts of us cause us to shy away from Jesus. And I want us to learn from this woman tonight because that's not what she does. Instead of shying away, she realizes, I'm at my wit's end. Y'all, it literally says... that she had been to many doctors. She had spent all that she had, all her time, all her money, on all these different doctors, the things that were supposed to have the answer. She went to doctors, the people that are supposed to have the answer to what was going on with her. And the Bible explicitly tells us that she grew worse because of it. And I want you all to ask yourself, like, what are the doctors, for lack of a better word, that you're turning to? What are the things in your life that you're trying to fill the void or so that you can cover or hide whatever it is what's going on, what's actually going on and making you feel unwanted? I think there's so many different things we all turn to. Like, I know that this is kind of cliche, but Instagram is like the number one like mind-numbing tool ever. <laughs> you get on and then all of a sudden you've been scrolling for an hour and you're like, oh wow, that, how'd that happen? Or maybe it is that unhealthy relationship with a boyfriend that you keep going back to even though you know it's not good. Y'all, she was at her wit's end, and she was only growing worse. I want y'all to ask yourself, where are you taking your pain? And is it working? Some of those things aren't bad. Going to a doctor is good. Like, that's a good thing to do. Getting on Instagram's not bad. Being in a relationship, not bad. Like, those things are great but they're not going to have the deep 
soul healing that each of us needs. It says that she had heard the reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. She was at her wit's end, and she said, I know if I touch this guy, Jesus, I will get well. She believed that it was worth it to try. She had heard. She hadn't even seen. It doesn't say that she had seen a miracle happen. She didn't have a friend that had been healed. She just had heard about it and was like, nothing else is working. I'm going to try. I'm going to reach my arm out and see. And I believe that this will work. Reminder, she was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be in a crowd of people. Can you guys imagine? She was probably like sneaking up. This is not in the Bible. This is my interpretation. I like to say that when I'm like picturing something, but it helps me get into the story more. But imagine her like walking up behind, hoping, I hope nobody notices me. I hope nobody notices me. Because if somebody notices me, they'll call me out as the unclean woman and they'll cast me away and I won't get a chance to touch Jesus. She had the courage to walk through the crowd and to extend her arm She had one brave step, and she experienced deep healing. It says immediately she was healed. And I want to challenge you all with that. Do you have the courage it takes to reach out and trust that Jesus will heal you? It's not easy, but it's worth it. Sometimes it can feel scary, just like the woman walking through the crowd, hoping nobody noticed her. But it's worth it. Y'all, the story doesn't end there. It could end with her just like slipping back into the crowd and going on her merry way, knowing she was healed and whatever. But it doesn't end with that. Listen to what happens next. I didn't read you the whole story at the beginning. Um. It says, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? It's kind of like, imagine you're walking into the stadium, and you're like, who's touching me? And everybody's like, everybody's touching everybody, you crazy. And he looked around to see who had touched him. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She was scared. She wasn't sure how Jesus was going to respond. Remember, she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd. He very easily could have said, 
oh my gosh, you're unclean, get away from me. But y'all, Jesus doesn't respond to us like the rest of the world responds to us. Jesus' first response to this woman is he calls her daughter. For 12 years, she had had no family, and the very first word Jesus says to her is inviting her into his family. For 12 years, she'd been on the outside, and his first response is, no, I love you, and you're a part of my family. He also says very specifically that her faith healed her. She didn't have to clean herself up. She didn't have to know all the answers. She just had the courage to reach out and to touch Jesus. And what's so beautiful about this story is that in those days, that touch should have made Jesus unclean. But his healing is so much more powerful than her uncleanliness. And it's the same for each one of you. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you feel like, I can't get a hold of this thing, whatever it is, Jesus is right here. And he's saying, I love you, and I want to heal you, and you're not too far gone for me. Whatever you did last Friday night, like, Jesus is here. He's one courageous, outstretched arm away. Do you trust that he can heal you? You're not too messy for him. He's inviting you into his family. But will you have the faith to reach out to him? Maybe you're thinking, well, how the heck do I even begin to do that? What does that look like to reach my arm out? And what I would say is it can look different for everybody. But one thing I could encourage you to do is you can talk to me. You can talk to any of the Bible study leaders. They're going to come up and introduce themselves in just a minute. We would love to talk to you all. Maybe you're like, I went to a Bible study freshman year. Maybe it's not even as you are Bible study. Maybe it's something completely different. Like, I went freshman year. I'm a senior now. I haven't been back. That's okay. Go back. People would love to see you there. Have the faith to step out, to say, okay, I can't heal myself, but Jesus, I'm going to trust that your healing is so much greater than what feels so unclean inside of me. Y'all, he's inviting you into his family tonight. And I hope that you know that that invitation It's just an outstretched arm away. He's right here. Will you have the faith to reach for him? And it's not a far reach. (laughs) Not at all. I'm going to pray for us. At the end of the night, too, the Bible study leaders, they're going to introduce themselves, but then we'll also kind of be like around the edges of the room. If you want to talk to somebody, or even if you just have a prayer request about something totally different, like we would love to pray with you, to talk to you, to get to know you. So please come find us. We'll be around. I'm going to pray, and then we'll wrap up. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for donuts and chocolate milk and the chance to just be together. 
Um, Lord, I thank you that your healing power is so much more powerful than what feels unclean and unwanted inside of us. God, I pray that you would give each of us the courage to reach for you, to walk through whatever crowd it is that feels scary and get close to you, Lord, because you're right here. God, I pray that each one of these girls would know that they are a part of your family, that you love them and that you call them daughter. We just say we love you and we trust you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, that's all for today. But y'all, we just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. This community has become such a special space for Anna and me. We've gotten to share our hearts. We've gotten to focus in on what the Lord is doing. And we've gotten to hear back from you as it's been meaningful listening. So thank you. And we'll see you next week.